This is Fathering, Episode 7 with Brian Neal. Hey, welcome to this episode of Fathering. I've got the wonderful Brian Neal here with me today. Brian, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Good to be here. So I would label you as a Christian counselor. How would you, what would you call yourself? I would agree with that. Yeah, okay. A Christian counselor. Yeah. <laughs> Licensed in the state of Delaware in Florida, but certainly a Christian counselor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's in Lewis, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also in Florida. So were you in Florida at one point too? I was. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting, a quick backstory. Uh, so I lived here in Delaware 15 years ago. And then uh, I had this thing that we'll call a calling. I know some people have trouble with that word, but certainly it was one of those things that said, hey, um, I think I need to go into counseling. And I was working in the aviation industry, which I did for 30 years. Hmm. And yeah, we said, well, let's do this thing. And at the same time, I had a good friend, a pastor. He said, well, should we like make sure this thing is real or maybe you should just buy a red sports car because you're 45 years old and it's <laughs> a midlife crisis. And so on so, some great mentoring from from him, uh, I took a couple of courses online and kind of confirmed it, like God wanted me to go help people. And with that, um, I said, what does that look like, God? Hmm. And he came back with, you got to go. And I said, okay. So I sold my house, quit my job, packed up my four kids, my wife and parakeet, <laughs> and we we moved to Florida to go to to go to grad school. Wow! And so yeah, so we went did did all that. Went to grad school and got licensed and did a bunch of different things there, uh, including buying a house at the peak of the market, which was probably not a good idea in two thousand five. <laughs> but uh, yeah, God was along us uh, along with us the whole way. And uh, yeah, then we fast forward and a couple of years ago we decided to move back here. And uh, so I have a virtual practice, if you want to call it that, in Florida. And now I have my uh, both online and in-office uh, practice in Lewis. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll definitely have something in the show notes if anybody's interested in uh, contacting you. And I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about men's mental health, all kinds of different things yeah. that I think you have a ton of expertise on. And there's no way we'll cover even, well, not even a quarter, not even a 10th or a hundredth of whatever, you know, right. uh, but you're, you're an expert. And so I'm glad you're here. Well, uh, God has blessed me. He really has, uh, you know, numbered the steps the whole way. I always say that every encounter I have is ordained by him. He's put mm. me in a place and me in this place and even this conversation today. So, you know, we'll give him the, give him the glory. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's even fun to hear you say that because I feel like in any kind of health community, you can't talk about God. You can't talk about your faith, but but you specifically, you get to pray with people. Yeah. You get to recommend scripture to them as a way to help them through what they're going through. And so it, this is just going to be a great conversation today. Yeah. I look forward to it. <laughs> so the first thing on the top of my mind when I invited you to come and be on the podcast was as a dad, just doing the best that we can. We're, we're working with what we got. And sometimes we just have to kind of fake it till you make it. If you've heard that phrase before, yeah. even though that works and we can launch our kids and they can be quote unquote successful, we can still do lasting damage to them. We, we can do things to our kids that we don't even realize, you know, I'll raise my voice to my daughter. She's, she's only 
two, uh, almost two, you know, my wife will come back and be like, you know, you don't, you don't have to raise your voice at her. Like you could do it this way or this way. And so, um, what are some things that send kids <laughs> to your office ultimately? <laughs> Does that well, make sense? <laughs> yeah, it's a t- that's a tough question though because uh, they'll come in for a number of different reasons. I, I tend to look at it from a family systems viewpoint. You okay. know that it's not just this person having this problem. It's it's everybody involved usually, um, and a lot of times, you know, dads especially. I think but I think both parents will say things because of how we were raised. Yeah. So we might start treating our kids one way because that's the way we were raised. Or sometimes it swings totally the, the other direction and we do things or say things because we will never do that, right? We, oh. we have this contract that we have written and we have signed and we will never, never, ever do that again. Or we will never be treated that way. And what happens is it, it tends to, again, swing the pendulum so far the other way that we indirectly and for good reasons and for good intentions, we may not be saying the right thing or we may not, you know, um, take that, uh, that direction well or, or just holding back maybe, you know, being a little more passive because we don't want to mm-hmm. be too firm because that's what our parents were like or and so I think sometimes that gets in the way. And so our past can really dictate our future sometimes if we hold on to it. I love that you use the word pendulum because it's, it suggests that the middle is where you want to be. And I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want it to be too soft. Right, right. But that pendulum in the center. And so, I mean, how can you recognize when you're doing that? Yeah, I think if you think back, I mean, a lot of times as parents, we don't always... <laughs> take the time or have the time yeah. to, to sit back and go, hmm, that didn't sound so good. Um, you know, in, in my family, sometimes we'll call it a parenting fail. You know, we'll, we'll have those conversations where I'll get home or my wife will get home and it'll be like, yeah, didn't go so well today. Uh, and you'll be like, oh, what did he or she do? And it's like, yeah, no, it's what I <laughs> said. It's like, oh, okay. That takes guts, first of all. I feel like being able to say that it was your fault that day, that's that's its own level of parenting right there. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we've tried to do, do it the best we can, mm-hmm. is to always be in this attitude of honesty about what we've done, what we've said, and asking for forgiveness, mm. you know, or giving forgiveness. And, you know, one of the things that, that you and I had talked about at one point was this, the, the culture today. And I don't think that's really present in the culture a lot of this mm. attitude of being humble and being in a place where we can ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness uh, for what we've done, even as parents. You know, we want to teach that to our kids. And so being able to model that and be able to model that in front of our kids is so is so important, you know, to be able to do that. Um, so when we have those times that didn't go so well, you can tell. Yeah. Right? You, you have this feeling and, you know, that that wasn't the best response. You know, one of the things that we've tried to work on really hard, and it's very challenging, I will, I will give you that, is this whole thing of, you know, parenting from calm hmm. and getting yourself in a place that says, wait a minute, I've got to be in a good place to be calm. If I'm calm and I have control of my own emotions, then what I say and how I say it is going to be better received by our kids. Hmm. And so whether that's, telling them to do something or not to do something, if our tone is calm, 
then they're probably going to receive that well. And in the long run, those are the things they, they tend to keep in their head, right? That is good. It's good. It's, it's, it's good seed, right? We've sown that. But when we are harsh and quick and sharp, those are the things they remember. And it gets back to what you're saying where Oof. down the road, it's like, yeah, they remember those things. And the challenge that we have, and this isn't with all, all kids, but certain kids will hold on to those things. Yeah. And they will and they will hold on and they will take them with them wherever they go. And they start to create this almost this belief system about whatever that hurt was or whatever those words were. And they start to to hold on to these things and as they get older, then I might see them and they might be, well, this is what happened to me. This is what I believe in. It's like, yeah. wow, is that really true though? You know. Mm. And it could be that a mom or a dad just said something really non-intentional to be hurtful. Uh, but it was received in a, in a way that was hurtful to the to the child, and then that child takes it and kind of carries it with them. Man, mm. those are the things that we got to let go. And so it's, but I think if you start with the goal that I'm gonna not try to do everything that was done to me or not do everything, and then we work with staying in the moment and staying as calm as you can and parenting from that place, then I think you're gonna get less chance, right, of those hurts that kids tend to carry forward. Wow. That was like a textbook. Like <laughs> you I didn't mean it to be. Like the it was almost like every sentence you said we could have talked about <laughs> we could we could have expanded on every single little bit you said. But parenting from calm that resonates with me cuz I I think of and I don't want to I don't want to poke fun, but we've all been at the grocery store and there's that parent who's just like get over here. <laughs> Who's just, they're operating on 10 on the, the stress scale and they're just done. <laughs> and so they're just dragging their kids along and put that away. No, 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 no. Calm. Well, it's, and it, like I said, it is not easy. I, I feel like within the last 24 hours, I was probably in that place where I was not calm. So this is definitely from experience. It's not a textbook. Um, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's challenging. I mean, I've I've got six kids, you know, and you know. Right. We haven't mentioned. You've mentioned that you had four kids. Yeah. But you have since adopted two kids, right? Right. So I have four biological, um, and then I've got two, six and a half and seven. So wow. Yeah, we have one that just turned seven last week, and our other one will turn seven in December. So we we fostered for a number of years in Florida, and. Um, about yeah i guess danny was two days old mm. when we adopted him and moses came to us at about 20 months who never said whoever said we you know that god wasn't a god of second chances see so i, I had, <laughs> had four and they, they all turned out pretty well and i've got two more well have you found things that you're doing differently with these kids that you oh absolutely yeah i mean for, for first of all they they have come out of foster care uh, even though our, you know, our one we got at two days old, he was still exposed, you know, before that in the womb to a lot of, you know, different mm. difficult situations. Yeah. And so I think you have to, you kind of go into this place where there's certain things that they've experienced that your other kids didn't. So yeah. that's the first thing. But uh, I think in some cases we try to parent the same way. And we've learned very quickly, and that, that could be a whole other, 
whole other hour on you know how do you how do you parent well adoptive kids. Uh, they, it is different. Yeah, uh, they have come from a different place. They are they are not yours biologically. God has given to us to care for and to love, and but it is different. Um, so yes, right off, right off the top, difference in parenting adoptive kids versus biological. But then, yeah, I think there is. I think you know when you when you you talk about uh, just those those moments, if you will, even being stressed. You know, we always joke. You know, try parenting at you know a six year old at the age of fifty nine. That's not. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's not a small task. <laughs> I always tell people, yeah, we're going to die tired, <laughs> but it's um, it's it's a special place to be. Yeah, and, and God shows up all the time. Because he, you know, we 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 need him. I think over, you know, I remember the first time, you know, when you have your first, and you have, I have one, one. So your first one is is definitely special in a lot of ways, but it's also you, you do learn, right? Even from a parenting standpoint, right? What worked for the first probably may not work for the second. Don't uh, say that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> it's uh, well in a in a good way too. I this I could go on with a lot of different stories, but I remember the first um, you know, my daughter was was born, and my wife was a flight attendant, and she decided she would go back to work uh, for at least uh, a few months, and so she left me with the baby and and a bunch of bottles and a note, and this is what you need to do. And man, I said I can do this, and. <laughs> And about maybe 10.30 or 11 in the morning, uh, she had left at like 5. Uh, the baby was screaming, my daughter's screaming, and I don't know what to do. I called my mother-in-law. She's like, well, is she, is she cold? Is she hot? Is she, is she wet? Is she dry? Did you feed her? Yeah, I fed her. Well, what did you, how, many, how many bottles did you feed her? I said all of them. <laughs> she goes, oh, my gosh. So she came over and helped me, you know, burp my baby. But... <laughs> My wife decided that's probably not a good idea. I should stay home. Well, and I, I just imagine, you know, normally if, if the mother goes back to work and, and the dad stays home, she's usually just across town. But if she's a flight attendant, <laughs> she's gone. Yeah, she wasn't anywhere nearby. <laughs> she can't just leave early and come help you. No, no. So, um, but I, th- I do think we learn from child to child. And I think, again, life circumstances and like you mentioned it and, and I've talked about it already, the stress that we're under today. I mean, we look at the past year right. uh, of what everyone has been through and, you know, the stress level and the anxiety has gone up exponentially. And so for us to try to try to parent in the same way we did even a, a year ago, believe it or not, is different. Right. You know, our lives are different. We, we've talked about things that have been different for the past year. We've been cooped up, you know, in quarantine. And so even over the past year, I think parents have learned in, in some ways, uh, good lessons about how to parent and about how to be closer. You know, mm. there, is a, there was a silver lining in some ways uh, through the pandemic that dads, you know, especially fathers, got to spend and see yeah. the kids more and spend more time and realize what moms are doing or, or, or what, you know, um, stepmoms are doing and what they're having to, to go through. And so in some ways, you know, even the past year has taught us fathers, how to do things maybe a little differently and slow things down. Cause that's one of the things that I've noticed over the years is, is, to, is just that, you know, when my kids, my biological kids were younger, I spent a lot of time at work, a lot of time away and yeah. with our, our boys now and with the job I have, which is just great. I get to spend more time 
but I also get to see what it's like and say, wow, this is a lot of work, <laughs> you know? And um, so we get to share, though, more of the parenting, I think, with our boys than we did with my other kids. And yeah. so I think that's a lesson that I've learned over the years is that, you know, lean in and being able to, you know, basically enter your wife's story. You right. know, what is her life like? And to be able to do that. And I think both I, I've learned to do that through the years, but I think also over the past year and a half, I think a lot of dads have, have seen that. So I we've all probably heard that phrase, uh, quality time is better than quantity time. And someone recently brought up to me and you, you basically were just saying it was that maybe that's not exactly true. Maybe it sounds right, but maybe maybe quantity time with our kids is better than quality time. Yeah, I would think it's a balance. I mean, I, I would tend to agree you, you want spend time. And that's what kids want, right? Yeah. When we go, yeah. well, it's quality time. Well, if you give them, you know, 20 minutes and it's quality, they probably, you know, depending on what it is. And, and it also gets pretty subjective, right? So what a parent calls quality right. versus what a child calls quality, right? Like I might want to, and this happens all the time, I have a certain way of, let's say, I would want to build something. So if my son says, I want to build this Lego set, yeah, I'm, I'm like, all right, pull out the drawings, you know, look at the pieces, line them all up. And he doesn't want to do that. He wants to take <laughs> his time. He wants to like play with them and then put them in one direction or the other. He may or may not look at the directions. And you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no, come on, like, let's just get it done. And if I got it done, I would get it done in 30 minutes. And I would say that was quality time. Right. And it would look great. And I would probably set it on a shelf and it would be awesome. For me, <laughs> but my son wants to take his time and then he wants to play with it. He wants to take some parts off, move some parts around. That's quality time, but it's, it is quantity, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. I would, so to be able to sit down and spend that time. So I think it's, I think it's a combination of both. I don't think you want to lean on one or the other. I think it's, you want to spend some time and yeah. it should be just that and it should be their time. So I think if you're looking mm -hmm. at quality versus quantity, What's it look like from their eyes, right? Because when we do it, we're looking at it as an adult. So everything that our filter is all, you know, based on an adult filter. We're not looking at it through their eyes. Denise, who does the morning show at the bridge, she, she always tells the story about taking her kids to Disney. And at the end of the trip, you know, hey, what'd you, what was your guys' favorite part? And I, I think it was both of her kids were like, oh, Staying in the motel was the best. <laughs> right. They, like they had picked the, the least expensive place to stay in all of Orlando. And the kids just had a blast doing that. When I went to Disney, my favorite part was there was a train set outside of Epcot. Like it wasn't even in the park yet. Right. <laughs> I was, oh, trains are so cool. Yeah. And what my parents might have thought was quality uh, was not the same quality to me. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's yeah. Like I said, you you gave us a book. You gave us a textbook at the beginning there. And another thing that you mentioned was culture and how if you're in a Christian family and you join a sports team, well, right. your your kids have to you got to skip church now cuz sports are on Sundays. You know, we we live in a culture if it's not lined up with with our beliefs, like everyone has what they believe. And so, right. yeah. I mean, what does it look like to make good decisions? How can dads parent following Jesus and not be so worried about what all the other dads at, with the kids at school or what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think you need to put God in the middle of whatever it is, 
whether it's a conversation, whether it's activity. And what I mean by that is you really, for, for me anyway, in our family, what we've always tried to do is really parent from a servant heart perspective. Mm-hmm. So everything we do is for that reason. So if we were going to, we would go to church, yes, to go and worship and listen to the message and participate, but we would go there to serve. Mm-hmm. And we, we got into foster care for that same reason, to serve and to help others. And I still remember, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes, did, what type of job did we do with our kids? Are they, are they picking up what we're trying to do here? <laughs> you know, what's it look like? And I'll never forget, we had a small group, and in the small group was a couple who was going to foster. And people are getting on board, and this is, this is it, we got to do this. And they're like, Brian, you guys got to foster. And I'm like, and my wife was all about it. She's like, yeah, we got to do this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to foster. This is like a big deal. Like, we really have a really small house here. <laughs> like, so I'm making these excuses up, and I'm the holdout. And God's just pressing in and pressing in. And all of a sudden, uh, I literally had, we had six people in a 1,200-square-foot house in Florida. It was a small house. We were actually going to flip it and, you know, the story with the, the housing crash. Mm-hmm. So we were in this house, and it was a nice house, but... It was it was small. It was not that large, and I'm like, where we have these two kids? I guess we could bring in, but where, where are we going to put them? We don't have rooms. You have to have like certified rooms for foster kids. So my daughter, who was uh, I think she was close to 18 at the time, she had her own room. My other two daughters were in one bedroom and bunk beds, and my son was in the garage, and then we had our room. And Did, I'm like, was it a converted garage? Sort of. Sort of? Okay. All right. All it right. did have a garage door, but it, it had air conditioning. Okay. So, you know, it had a part wall. So it was a lawnmower on one side and his bedroom on the other. Bedroom. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it was converted. All right. And I'm like, where are we going to put these kids? We can't, can't do this. So then my daughter goes, Dad, I'm going to move in with the two girls. So my 18-year-old is giving up her room wow. to move in with her sisters. And they all look at me and go, now, what's your excuse? <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's cold, but I, I guess they're getting it. I mean, that that was serving, you know. And so, you had to be so proud at that moment. And, I wa- and yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was both proud and very deep in it at that point. But yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that I think you you I believe you have to create a anti culture, if you will. You, what's going to go against culture? The Mm. culture that we create has to be anti-culture. It has to be when somebody in the culture today would look at it and go, that's just weird. Mm. And I think, in a way, it's kind of what Jesus was all about. And so if we can create that with our conversations, if we can create that in how we parent, if we can create that in how we organize our life, if we can create that in what we do in our house, how many people are we going to invite into our little 1,200-square-foot home? It wasn't always fun, but it was creating a culture within our kids that not only put God in the middle, but it also created an independent culture for them. You yeah. know, sometimes, you know, I remember when my oldest daughter decided to um, go to Africa at 18, you know, go to Uganda to serve, and people are like, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? Well, you can't let her go to Uganda. She doesn't know anyone there. I, I know. 
I tell them, I said, we created, you know, we tried to create a culture and tried to raise them to be independent, God following kids. And I guess that's what I get. <laughs> like, she goes to Uganda at 18, graduating high school, and other people are going to college. And I think that's what we've always tried to do. And it doesn't mean that all my kids are off doing missionary work, but what it does mean is they're, they're independent, they're God loving kids that. And I think we've tried, that's what we've tried to do. And we've done a lot of that through serving. You know, mm. we helped uh, you know, plant some churches, and, and that takes a lot of effort. And just doing it differently. And I think maybe that's the key. You know, what are you doing today that you might do differently? Because today's culture is all about me. So are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to go where other people have been gone? And if you continue to do that, you'll end up having adventures. And to me, mm-hmm. that's always been like the bright spot in our marriage and in our family. We're, we're going on an adventure. An adventure is quitting your, <laughs> I don't recommend it for everybody, <laughs> but you know, an adventure is, yeah, quitting your job and going to do something different um, and taking a chance. And I think that's, you know, that's how we ended up, you know, in Florida. And that's how we ended up back here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty comfortable in Florida. It's nice and warm in Florida. <laughs> the water is blue. you know and uh but yeah i think being willing to take that step and i think with our our sons now our younger sons we want to just carry on that tradition of you know put god in the middle you start every day in the bible it doesn't have to be anything fancy it's just like let's sit sit down and read it and and spend a few minutes before we start the day because the rest of the day is going to be crazy anyway um i think making our decisions talking about that well let's ask Let's ask God about this. Mm. Spend some time. You know, what that does is it, it causes kids to slow down a little bit. Because, again, in today's culture, it's fast. Go, go, go. It's all about me. You know, and unfortunately, that's why when you look at the stats, you know, 80% of, of young adults between 18 and 25 would say they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids to be unhappy. I don't mm. need them to be happy, but I don't want them to be unhappy. I wanted to be satisfied, content, independent, you know, loving God, doing what they have a passion for, willing right. to take a chance to do that. So, wow. yeah, so that's what we try to create a, a new culture, an anti-culture almost. That's great. When you were describing your daughter as an, as an independent Christ follower, I think is what you said. What steps do you take? What does that look like at home? You mentioned starting the day in the Bible or inviting God into the conversation when you're trying to make a decision. Is there anything else that you that you guys do at home? Yeah, I think just being well, being consistent with church, I think is important. I think many times, you know, again, you had said we've got sports, we've got this, we, you know, we're going to go over here. We don't have time for that. Let's let's watch it online, which has been great over right. the last year. But now <laughs> people are like, yeah, let's just watch it online. And I think you miss the fellowship. Mm. Now I will say that it's not always been easy for my kids because. At one point, I was a pastor on staff at a church in Florida. I was also a counselor. <laughs> so, you know, so my kids are like, yeah, he's either going to preach or he's going to talk, talk to me for an hour. <laughs> um, so it hasn't been, always been easy. But I think, you know, trying to be consistent with we're going to pray about this, whatever that is, you know, whether that's buy a new car or, or go on a trip or we're going to, you know, how do we need help today? You know, if we're feeling stress, let's, if something's lost, my wife is 
always she's always about that like you know let's let's ask god to help us find this and i'm like really is he gonna boom there it is i was like (laughs) but i think just introducing god into all parts of your life don't try to put him in this box for sunday yeah i think that's probably to me the most important important piece is just don't put him in a box try to make him part of a conversation you know, invite them into your life. You know, when you ask, when you need some help, ask for it. When you are looking to the future, ask them about that. When you're trying to, when you find it hard to forgive and you're angry mm. with anybody, even in the person in the same room, ask them. <laughs> because none of this can be done without him. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I always try to, even in the counseling, I try to you know, when someone comes in there and they're really just stuck in this place, I'm like, well, what is God saying? Right? You know, let's let's ask Him to help us right now. Even even for me, I always tell those three people in a session, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's the client, it's myself, and it's the Holy Spirit. You know, this we're never there alone, and asking Him to help us before we start, when we leave, to for that person to talk to God, have a conversation. You know, I think somebody once said. Well, I don't hear God speaking to me. And the answer was, well, have you talked to him? <laughs> yeah, I've yelled at him. No, but have you talked to him through you know, even reading the Bible? You know, have you spent some time, you know, he will speak to us through that. And man, let's spend some time. You know, I often tell couples if they come in and they're just at each other. And my favorite, my favorite intervention, if you want to call it that, is uh, go home. I want you to read through the book of Ephesians. This will be six chapters. By the time I see you next week, you would have been able to get through all of them. You don't even have to read it together, but take the time for each of you to read each chapter a day. And then at the end of the day, ask the other person what they thought about it. Hmm. You don't have to have a dialogue back and forth. This is a monologue. I'm just asking you, and you're just going to listen. And then we'll switch, and you'll tell me, and I'll listen to you. More couples come back and say, that was like a breakthrough. Why? Because they slowed down. They got a chance to talk. The other got a chance to listen. And they let God's word just kind of loosen up and break up that hard soil that they came in in the first place. And so that exercise, and it's always interesting. Sometimes they'll come back, yeah, we didn't do it, or we did some of it. But the ones that have done it mm. will say, that was good. We haven't done that for a while. That's cool. Yeah. And that's so really cool. I feel like that's, again, going and and spending time that's the secret for me Hmm. so a couple months ago i saw this picture that has just screamed at me and i'll make sure there's a link to it so you can find it if you're listening to this but uh it's a picture of a hand that's coming out of the water it's it's like someone's drowning okay and the the picture has labeled the hand men's mental health okay and then in the next picture it's a little comic strip you see a hand reaching in like it's going to grab the hand and that hand is labeled society. So society is going to come save men's mental health. And the next panel, the hand gives the drowning hand a high five and it says, be a man. (laughs) So men are drowning and we don't know how to handle our mental health. And everyone around us, everything on TV is just saying, suck it up, be a man. Yeah. And I don't think that works. I, I don't I, I think it it's a band aid 
I heard the phrase a Band-Aid for cancer. Mm. What can we be doing so that dads are in a better space to, together to lead their kids? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for dads to be in a better place to lead their kids, they need to be willing to look at themselves and admit that they should be reaching out and then to, to get with somebody, whether that's, I mean, I think today's society is, yeah, I'm going to get together with you while we work or something, but not spending any time. You know, I think uh, as a Christian man, being able to spend some time with other Christian men, but it's all about taking the time, right? For the same amount of value that we placed on spending time with our kids, mm-hmm. we should be placing some value on the time that we can talk with other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, men will come to, to my office and they are stressed, they are overwhelmed, but they've never really been able to talk about why, you mm-hmm. know, and especially over, again, I'll, I'll go back over the last year and a half where a lot of a lot of parents, but a lot of men have been overwhelmed, high anxiety. Today's culture is, yeah, suck it up, which means you just sit there and put another block on the pile. Right. And so oh. as men, we've got, you know, we've got uh, our, our home, we've got our kids, we've got our work. And these are all, if you, if you could visualize it, there would be all these blocks stacking up. And, and at some point, it just becomes overwhelming. And so the answer isn't just, we'll just keep carrying the pile because you know and I know that over time you can't physically carry all of that. And so I think being able to be willing to even converse with somebody, talk about, you know, it's interesting, men will come to me with, uh, either they'll come to me or their spouse has said, you need to go. <laughs> so it's, it's, and they come in, they go, yeah, you know, I've got an anger management problem. I'm like, okay, does that mean you can't manage your anger? Like, what, what's that mean? And, oh, well, you know, she says or he says, that, you know, I fly, well, do you? Yes, I do. Okay, so we know that that's, this is something you want to change. Yes. Well, let's talk about your emotions. Well, I don't really talk about my emotions. I don't really. I'm like, well, you just said you're angry. That's a secondary emotion. So you're willing to talk about your anger, but you don't want to talk about why you're angry. And mm-hmm. I think when men start to look at, well, what is it? What is it below that, that picture of that iceberg, you know, with a, yeah. right? What's below the water? And when they start to figure out, like, wow, I'm just, I'm really discontent. I'm, I'm holding a lot of resentment. You know, when my kid says this, it reminds me of that. And then when my wife says this, it also reminds me of that. Now I've got two, three, four people all speaking this thing against me. And now I can't take it anymore. And that's when I explode. Mm. Wow, let's go back and look at that. Is there unforgiveness? Is there something from, from your family that you held on to? Is there an expectation, right? Is there an unmet expectation that you have or that somebody has of you? We start talking about those. Now we're getting to the root of what's going on. Mm. That's not to say, and then there's depression, right? Somebody might come, you know, feeling really depressed because of their job and they're overwhelmed by what's happening at their job. And when they go home, they're overwhelmed by what's happening at home. Before they know it, men especially, I feel like, they're in a corner. They're in a, there's no escape. And when they don't feel any escape, they will tend to either shut down totally or start doing things to cope with that. Hmm. And I think a lot of times mental health 
it isn't just this organic, yes, oh, my, I have a history of depression in my family, therefore that's why I'm depressed. To me, it's a lot more situational and environmental. Yeah. What's going on in your life that's causing you to feel stressed and anxious? What type of blocks can we take off the pile so that you don't have to carry this weight around all the time? And that's the great part about all that is that's when God can enter into this picture. Mm. Because when there was resentment, when there's unforgiveness, when there's expectations, what is, what's God expect from you? You know, who is your God? Sometimes in my, my conversations with men will be just like, what's, what's that look like? Mm. You know, what's that look like? What's the conversation with God look like in, in, in your life? Well, I don't really do it anymore. I, I don't have time. Mm. What would you say to a dad who, who feels like he's got all, I mean, <laughs> feels like everybody listening to this has those blocks stacked up, I guarantee it, who feels backed into a corner, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at this job, I'm the dad, I've got to support my spouse or my kid or, or whatever your situation is. I think most men probably feel stuck where they are. Yeah. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you find release from that or peace from that? Yeah. I think you got to look at what's going on. I, I often I'll, I'll tell somebody, make a, a list of all the things you do, how much time you spend on each one of those things. That's going to tell you on, just on the face of it, like, wow, I'm, I've got an unbalance going on here. I'm, you know, I'm spending all this time at work, but I don't have enough time with my kids. But because I feel like I should have time for my kids, now I feel more anxiety. So you might have to make some adjustments there, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing is you look on add another column to that piece of paper and say, well, how much time do I spend thinking about X, whatever that is? So I might have all these things I do all day, but I might spend half my day thinking or worrying about huh. whatever that is. Okay. Well, there's an imbalance right there. Like, How do I, what is it? Do I need to get with somebody and talk to somebody? Do I need to, you know, spend time with a, a friend? Do I need to just talk to my wife about this thing that's bothering me. Do I need to let it go? Is it something that I can? So sometimes the worry, the amount of worry in one day will create this additional block, if you will. So it isn't always just this one thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's what you're thinking. You know, our thoughts uh, drive our actions and our words. You know, once I was talking to another pastor about the health of the soul you know, mind, body, and our, and our will, our ability to make choices. Mm-hmm. And when we, you know, I had a, someone last week said, I'm just a, I just have a tortured soul. And I looked at him and said, wow, that's such a deep belief and a deep, you know, feeling to have. Mm-hmm. And so as we started to unpack some of that thing, it really did cover what was going on physically with him, what was going on mentally, and the choices that he was making and his desire to, to, to do things a certain way. And they were all driven by a lot in, in his past, and, but even the pressure that he was feeling today. So I think um, you need to look at all those things. Wow. So I asked somebody, I told them you were going to be on the podcast, and I asked them, you know, if you could, if you could ask for advice, mm. uh, what, what, would you, what would you want to know more about? This guy is a dad who doesn't have any father figures in his life. Mm. And so he's just like, I just don't even know where to, how do I get better as a dad? How do I, how do I grow? Because I don't have someone to look to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting, right? I think, um, that you should 
surround yourself, find somebody, maybe it's another dad, or maybe it is somebody that is a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's important too. I think there are, I think as men, we're somewhat reluctant to go ask someone to be a mentor. Yeah. And I think at times that's really important in, in, in our lives. You know, my dad is awesome, but there was things that were definitely missing kind of growing up. And I remember when I met my wife's dad, he worked in the same industry and he became like a mentor. I started to see things. Hmm. He was a godly man. He was an aunt, just everything about him, especially in, in the industry we were in, in aviation. And I, I gleaned so much and he became that mentor slash second father figure for me. Hmm. And I don't say that's always easy to find somebody like that, but I know if we don't ask, if we don't look, Ooh. we'll definitely never find them. Right. And it might be somebody in a Bible study that, you know, sometimes we, again, we find comfort in those that look and feel like us. Yeah. So we're in a Bible study and it's a bunch of, we're all the same guys and yeah, you know, go Eagles, whatever. But, <laughs> but there's maybe an older gentleman, a more, a more mature person that may not be the person you picked to be in your quote unquote small group. Yeah. That just might be the person that you need to seek out and say, you know what? Let's have breakfast once a month. And again, sometimes we think it has to be some deep relationship and how are we ever going to find that person? He's supposed to be just, you know, he's my second dad. He's my, I I say start with just that first step. Maybe it's one person that you know. Maybe he's a little older than you. Maybe he's a lot older than you. And you say, let's just have breakfast Hmm. once a month. It's pretty easy to ask doesn't cost a lot and you might start to glean some things just that during that one meeting he might say you know what i read this book once and you might oh boom now you're reading a book that he's moving into your direction mm. that's going to give him insight that that gave that gave him insight it's going to yeah. give you insight that gave right and so simple things like that so i think for the guy that says yeah i don't i never either never had or don't have a father figure in my life is Look around you. Who is in your air, your circle? Who's in your extended circle? So my immediate circle might be just who I see day to day, but my extended might be on the weekend at church. It might be even further out, you know, and just ask that person, hey, can want to spend some time? I mean, I know I, I meet with some men uh, once a month, and that has been just feeds my soul. Like without that, yeah, it's you know there was a time when we were busy doing life, doing this, moving here, moving there, and I was without that, and I really felt empty. Mm. And so I think searching and finding that person and just the simple ask, don't make it a big, a, a big target to hit, and let it grow organically through the conversation, just doing life. That's great. That's good stuff. Yeah. When I write, describe the podcast to people, you know, the, the, the purpose of the fathering podcast is most of us view our heavenly father, God, through the lens of our earthly one, whoever, whoever our actual dad was or the father figure in our lives, that's how we see God. And so how can we help our kids see God the best way? Uh, and so these episodes are just to try and 
look a little more like God and, and look a little more like Jesus. And I loved how much you talked about serving. And it, it sounds like your kids are, I heard a, a previous episode, somebody said faith is caught, not taught. Yeah. You know, and, and you spoke exactly to that. And so that's just really cool. So yeah. Brian, thank you for joining me for this episode. Uh, would you mind praying yeah. for the dads who are listening today? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you are, for everything that we see in you. And we do ask uh, that you would just reach out to every father that's listening today, that you would give him grace, that you would give him the strength, that you would give him courage to be more like you every day, that the, you would give him the strength and the ability to model for his kids a life that wants to follow you and to serve you. And so I just ask that upon every father listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathering with Brian Neal. If you want more information about Brian and the work that he does, you can find him at truecoursecounseling.com. And I'll be sure to have that link in the show notes as well. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. My email is mark at wearethebridge.org. Uh, that'll also be in the show notes. Uh, but, you know, I've heard from a few listeners from a few different states now, and I'd love to know where you listen from. As always, don't just keep your kids alive, but help them thrive. And until next time, I'm Mark Dickey. Thanks for listening to Fathering.